And take your Bibles now. As a matter of fact, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I think that would be fine. We'll start right there uh, this evening. Although, I'm going to go over the text, just read the text here in a moment and have a word of prayer as we continue our sermon from this morning. Now, if you weren't in here and didn't get to hear the sermon this morning, it's on our website. You can go there and listen to it and see the connection. So, uh, we would encourage you to do so. And uh, just uh, keep it in mind, we're looking at a sermon I've called Heavenly Healing. And you wonder, well, I haven't seen anything about healing yet. So, uh, we'll get there eventually before the year's out. Okay, so uh, I hope that you'll follow along with that and, and have that. But let me just read those two verses in Revelation 22, verses 1 and 2, and then we'll be uh, going on from there. There was see, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And by the way, if you're ever reading through Revelation, just look at how much when it's referring to Jesus, it refers to him as the Lamb. I think it's a good thing because you always want that to be precious to you. If, if the cross of Christ ever becomes just the fact that you believe, but it doesn't stir our heart, we've got heart problems. Okay, so uh, keep that in mind. But now, he says, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life. Which, bat, uh, which bear twelve matter of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now shall we pray. Father, I pray as we look into your word tonight, and we look ahead, we look ahead to what awaits us. And so, Lord, I pray with that view of heaven in our hearts and in our mind, you would stir our hearts to walk with God, to know that there's one day that we can enter heaven with full confidence instead of entering heaven ashamed at His appearing. So, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, direct in this message tonight. I pray it would especially glorify your name. I pray it edify the saints. And if anyone's without Christ, sing what he's going to do. Perhaps they would desire to receive him as their Lord and Savior. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. You know, we saw 12 matter fruits. And just, just a little side note, just a little teaching note, I guess you'd say. <clears throat> Uh, the number 12 looks in the Bible, you see the number 12 often, and then you see the number 7. And more often than not, we say 7 is God's number, and I would say that's a pretty good uh, idea there. But <clears throat> we think of the Sabbath, and yet it seems to be God's number as it relates to judgment and mankind. There were 12 apostles. There were 12, uh, really 12 fruits here that are on there. And 12 seems to have more of dealing with that that has eternal, eternal completion. 
completion. So seven is complete judgment, but 12 seems to be more along the lines of complete life. And so, as Christians, yes, uh, in the Old Testament they talked about the Sabbath day. Sunday's not the Sabbath day, but they met in the New Testament on the Sunday, and so I think it's the right thing to do. But what I do want you to know is they met every day there, not just on Sunday. But they took the offering on the first day of the week. So, again, just, to, just so that you know, uh, we don't worship numbers. But they can also have an indication as you're reading the Bible when you see the number 7 and when you see the number 12. And yet, in both of them, there seems to be a, an idea of completion. A complete judgment. Complete eternal life. And so, what a, what a difference that makes. And so, having said that, <clears throat> we uh, look here into the Scriptures tonight, because as we think of this, uh, this morning we covered the white throne judgment. Everyone that's at the white throne judgment that is there for judgment, they've been caught, those that have died and gone to hell will be caught up from that place of hell and brought before the throne Every one of them brought before the throne. Now think of that. Everyone at the white throne judgment for judgment is not, is not any of them going to go to heaven for eternal life. Every one of them will be condemned to the eternal lake of fire. There will be no salvation for them. It is too late. Too, too late. And so when you think of that, we, we see that the white throne judgment we covered this morning, they go from there to the lake of fire, but we also saw that we witness it as saved people. We will witness it. And we read in Ezekiel chapter 33 how the blood is on our hands. When we didn't warn the wicked of his way and call him to repent, and the Lord said, I'd require their blood on your hands. Whereas on the other hand, if you gave the gospel to them and they uh, rejected it, their blood's not on your hands. And you've, you've been able to really save your reward. And so, it's, it really calls us to have that heart that wants to be a witness and a testimony for the Lord. We don't want said of us. Now look, the fact that uh, somebody doesn't witness to someone and they go to hell doesn't mean that they didn't have a chance to get saved because the Lord left himself a, really a testimony in just nature itself. And he said if they would seek him, they would find him. However, he did give us a responsibility. As I said this morning near the end of the message, our responsibility is soul warning. Now, so often we say soul winning. We're soul warning. We're doing that for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, so we saw that this morning about that white throne, and we just began to mention something about the judgment seat of Christ. That's where all saved people will appear. And again, not one saved person that's at the judgment seat of Christ will be cast into the eternal lake of fire. 
They're saved. Some will be saved, so as by fire, ashamed at His appearing. Some will have confidence. But that in itself, just saying that, reading that from the Scripture, tells us, tells us that there's going to be some healing needed in heaven. So we, we looked at those things, and so tonight <clears throat> we, looked, we dropped off at our responsibility this morning to tell others the gospel. That's why we hand out tracts. That's why we give you tracts for salvation. That's why we want you to read tracts on salvation so that you may know how to tell somebody about the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want you to be able to do that because it's for your good. It's for the glory of God, which benefits each and every one of us. And we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, that we did not get to this morning, but there it says that those souls that are brought to Christ, there in heaven, there'll be a crown of rejoicing to you because you were instrumental in bringing them to Christ. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, he said, They that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. Now, turning them to righteousness, who is our righteousness? Jesus Christ. With the heart man believes unto righteousness. Doesn't mean, oh, he becomes so good and pure. No, we're believing into the righteousness of Christ to receive us into the heaven because it'll be his blood that cleansed us. It'll be his righteousness that makes us accepted in the beloved. So it's His righteousness. And so when you're thinking of that, the righteousness of Christ, they that turn many to righteousness, you're turning them to Christ, shall shine as the stars forever. But don't forget, man has a free will. So with a free will, man can reject that gospel witness. But that won't affect reward that God has laid up for you. When you share, witness the gospel. Now some people don't like the word share. I feel like if I'm sharing the gospel, I'm witnessing. Okay, but regardless, uh, if it's words, then it's words. But nonetheless, the gospel is what's important, and it must always be from the Word of God. And so, uh, we, we looked at that. We need to turn people to righteousness that they may know the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bring them, bringing them to them. But you and I, we appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And so that's where we start in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verses 9 through 11, where it says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. Other words, when we're caught up to be with Him, we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful in few things. I'll make thee ruler over many things. And so he says in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that judgment seat is a rewarding stand. But at that re 
warding stand, you might find that you've lost what was there for you because you did not accomplish what God gave you to do. You know, I believe, I've said this before, but I believe that there are some people who have been called to be missionaries. There's been people who have been called to work on the bus routes. There have been people to work in children's church, people to sing in the choir, people to play an orchestra or whatever else. There have been people called to do it. Now get before the Lord and say, well, I didn't know you wanted me to do that, Lord. And the Lord said, you know what? You didn't seek to know. You see, your service for God is not built around your convenience. It's built around the call of God and your willingness to do it. And do it with your whole heart. Uh, so it says, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now realize this, as a saved person, you will sin. Bad will not be considered as something good in heaven. Okay, it was sin. However, when Christ uh, was received, all the sin you ever have or ever will commit came under the blood of Jesus Christ. It came under the blood that very day. But that's not a ticket. That's not a free pass to live in sin. There are consequences. Now again, this is not the white throne judgment. Rather, as it's called the judgment seat of Christ, and I believe this seat is like we read this morning from Revelation, that instead of being the white throne that represented the holiness of Christ, of God, this that th jeweled throne that has a rainbow around the throne. Now the rainbow has nothing to do with LGBTQ and all the other letters they've added since, about 30 of them, I think. Doesn't have anything to do with that. You know, I, I'm going to digress here for just a moment. I remember years ago, Billie Jean King, great ladies tennis player, and she came out as a homosexual. And on the evening news, that was a surprise, the evening news was reporting how brave she is to come out and tell us that even though she's married, this is her sexual standard. An NFL player came out as a homosexual man and, and they <clears throat> said, <clears throat> excuse me, they said, Oh, how brave he is to come out. And, and I'm still trying to figure out what that means. They're brave to come out and identify what they are. Come out of the closet, they call it. So I guess tonight I'm going to come out of the closet and tell you that I am monogamous. I believe one man for one woman. I'm straight as an arrow. Okay. Boy, am I brave. To announce that, boy, the news media ought to be here tomorrow to say how brave you are. 
Now, see, they're not on the Lord's side. You don't cheer for the other side, you cheer for your own team. So, as we understand that, we also need to understand, though, Christ died for all men. Where sin abounded, Romans 5.20 says, grace did abound much more. And so, my friend, let's realize, and I can remember years ago, preachers preaching, homosexuals cannot get saved. That's to say that their sin is more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ. And not realizing what they were preaching, they were preaching blasphemy. A homosexual can get saved. But if they die without getting saved, they're going to go to hell. But anybody in the LGBTQ and XYZ, all the way through all the letters, can be saved. They need to hear the gospel and believe the gospel. But they can be saved. They can receive it and know Christ as their Lord and Savior. And so, yet we look at verse 11 here in 2 Corinthians 5, the apostle, understanding this is addressed to Christians. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men. We are made manifest to God and I trust also made manifest for your consciences. Now, nothing is hid at that judgment seat of Christ for the Christian. Good or bad is going to be known. The terror of the Lord. So what do you mean terror of the Lord? Well, first of all, we ought to think of men going to hell. Do we believe that there's a hell, a literal hell, where men will be there forever and ever and ever, never be able to cease to exist, never have a chance to be saved out of that hell once they're there, never a chance to see any of it let up? We believe that. How can you not believe in the terror of the Lord? And knowing that, and we don't say anything? And what about loss of reward? Loss of reward. You know, that ought to seem just even like a terror to ourselves as Christians. To have lost reward because my pride was too great. You see, the era of lost reward is on our own part. And knowing and not seeking to do about anything about that. is the, late, the most flagrant show of a lack of love for the souls of men. Now, you need to understand people can be saved. 
Look, many of you, maybe most of you, could tell me, uh, I know someone that is a homosexual. Maybe they're in your family. And it breaks your heart. You love them. You're angry at their sin, but I hope it doesn't take your love for them away. Because you ought to love them enough to keep praying for their soul. Love them enough to ask God to rebuke those evil spirits that so make a mess within that individual that they might come to Christ. Don't ever give up on a soul. Don't ever give up on a soul. And so, we need to keep that in our mind. The terror of the Lord and lost reward. And knowing that those not seeking to bring them to Christ, and those people end up in hell, how can we think and say to anybody that I know I'm right with God as a Christian. Oh, Pastor, you know, I don't place the importance on that that you do. That doesn't matter. I'm not the one that counts. It's the Lord. And he places a lot of importance on it, more than so than I do. He's the one with whom you have to do. Now, I want you to see as we continue in this part, in 1 Corinthians chapter, or 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. As a matter of fact, let me go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15, because we've looked here, knowing that therefore the terror of the Lord. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. Let's go back another chapter, another book, and to chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians. In there, we, just before that, it's told that we're labors together. As a local church, we're labors together with God. Understand, as labors together, a fellowship, partnership with God. That's what we are. So when you look at that, uh, he starts out there with, um, and I'll tell you what he starts out with since I find my part. Okay, my place. Okay, now, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the foundation we build upon. Remember back in the garden? God had made man over the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, everything. Man was over it all. When Satan tempted him, he fell, man fell into sin, and Satan gained that authority. That's why when Jesus in a human body was here on earth, and the devil showed him all the kingdoms of the world and said, all of these will I give you if you'll bow down and worship me. For that is mine to give. And it was. But Jesus Christ doesn't deal in temporal, he deals in eternal. And so, 
you see the difference. You know, one way you can see the difference between Satan and the Lord is just go to businesses. Here's a man who is a manager. He's the, boy, he's the general manager of a business. But then there's the owner. The owner. General manager thinks, you know what? I'm the one that's making this go. I'm the one that does the work. I'm the one. And he wants to replace the general man, uh, the owner, thinking that's his place. And try to unseat him and take over the business that that owner has started and established, purchased himself. Oh, but that devil will be chained in the lake of fire forever and ever. And you see, our Lord reigns forever and ever. And once again, you'll see a heaven and an earth, a new heaven and a new earth that was in the whole original plan of the Lord for man to occupy and to fellowship with God. And so, when you look at that, Satan said, I will ascend above the stars. I'll be like the Most High. And he caused many, many of other angels to fall. One third of the angels, I believe, from Revelation chapter 12. But my friend, they didn't make it. He didn't make it. He did not take it over. However, Christ, to save us because he loved us, gave his life for our sins. The precious Lamb of God. Now in verse 12 there he says, Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. Now this is the judgment seat. Manifest. Everybody's going to see it. Everybody's going to know about it. You hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It won't be a pride thing. Man, boy, I'm glad. Oh, boy, this is great. It won't be a pride thing. But rather, there would be great joy that you'll have because you know that through that you brought glory to God. You rescued the perishing and you cared for the dying. And so we see that uh, they'll be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, what might sound good to us may really be just self-promotion. Oh, look at us. Look what we're doing. Make sure you're in the will of God. I mean, look, just in the Bible. Isaiah warned the people. We're told that he was sawn in half. A living man sawn in half. 
Stephen was stoned. Oh yeah, there's 3,000 saved one day, 5,000 saved another day, and after that a great multitude is saved. About every one of those apostles died a martyr's death. It wasn't about self-promotion. So he says, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. It's going to be at the judgment seat, the rewarding stand. He shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. He won't be in hell. But just like fire is used to refine the gold, you're at the point of where you had fool's gold and all is burnt away. Because we followed the deceit of the devil. But the precious stones are those that, that are the rewards that are laid up forever. You know, I, I want to think of 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. Do you realize that's addressed to saved people, not to unsaved? It's to saved people. The verses before that say, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If a man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, if God says the love of the Father is not in you because you have a love for the world, you want to enjoy the worldly way. You want to enjoy the pleasures of this world. You want to enjoy uh, the way of the world. You want to be like the world. You want to emulate the world and yet be a part of Jesus Christ. But 1 John 2.28 says, Now little children, see, he's talking about his children, the saved. Now little children, abide in him. That when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at his coming. Saved people, when Christ appears and we're caught up to be with the Lord and changed, you're going to see something there. Matter of fact, we're told about it in, in Revelation chapter 6. There are those that die for the cause of Christ during the tribulation. And they're underneath the altar there. And those souls, the, the, those spirits are right there. They, they suffered martyr's death during the tribulation. But you see, they weren't saved before the rapture. But they see the saved clothed in new bodies. Oh, the new body. You know, time is no more. Those bodies aren't going to age. I like a new body, but boy, if it's going to age... I'm going to have to go through it all again. Get a new body, it'll never go through it again. Because it'll be fashioned like into his glorious body. 
His glorious body. Now, I'd like to have jewels to be wearing on that body that show that I love my Lord, that show I cared for Him, and I cared for souls. And so, ashamed at His appearing, You don't try to bring souls to the Savior. You don't try to be a witness. I can tell you on the authority of God's Word, you will definitely be ashamed at His appearing. Definitely. Now turn with me, if you will, to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. I want to share some things with you from here. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, he says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. You see, he goes on to say, And there was no more sea. Now, and no more sea we do know that there's a river of water flowing out from the throne. We just read that in Revelation chapter 22. Why is there no more sea? Because the sea is salt water. And you say, well, what? I don't mind salt water. Well, go out and take a big drink of it next time you're at the ocean. See how much you love it. But you see, there'd be no more sea. There'd be no more Corruptible, corrupted water in that day. Okay, it's, it's just not there. There's no more sea. I think that's great. I think it's a wonderful thing that there's no more sea that is corrupted. But understand what you're reading here now took place after, not after the judgment seat. It, it took place after the white throne judgment. 2 Peter chapter 3 tells us that when he comes, at the end of that millennium, the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Elements comes from a Greek word that, from which we get our word atoms. It represents the smallest, the smallest elements, which an atom you know, we were in science classes. They told us how many millions of atoms were in our body. I don't know who counted them, but they say they're there. And we know that the splitting of an atom would bring a nuclear explosion. And the things would melt with fervent heat. And so... I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. 
I think of that. Uh, we were this week. I was talking to somebody. My wife and I were there, and was talking with them. And I, I said, and I mean this. I really mean this. Uh, no matter. We say if a lady's very beautiful or so so whatever. Okay, now for some reason that gets measured by a man. But I don't know that I've ever seen a bad bride, a bad-looking bride, because they always have that glow. See them walk there, there's just a glow to them. Just, just something about it. And you see that glow again when they're with child. There's just that glow that you see, regardless of who they are. And so as you see that, you think of the city as a bride adorned for her husband. Now the bride will put off those bride garments and go on with life. Things change. But this glow this greatness will be forever in heaven. Folks, you're saved. We're talking about your home. We're talking about our home. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them. And be their God. And then we see this verse. This verse. And God himself shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any crying, any more pain. For the former things, the former things, the former things of corruption, the former things of sin, the former things of life will be passed away. Again. This is after the tribulation. But now, let me put something in your mind here. It's after the white throne judgment. It's after all of that and this new kingdom is set up. People have the rewards and they're getting the rewards. But we read in Revelation chapter 7, verse 13. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. 
you realize that people get saved during the tribulation, get saved like we do, by the blood of Jesus Christ and repentance and faith in Him. That's the way they'll get saved. The first part of that chapter talks about the 12,000, you know, the, the 144,000, 12 out of each uh, tribe. 144,000 that will go through the tribulation and not die because they'll have the mark of God on them. But here's a great multitude that's before the throne. They're up there while they're still down here on earth and the tribulation's going on. And so the angel said, what are these? Well, I don't know. Thou knowest. These are those that went through tribulation. They gave their life. And God wipes away the tears from their eyes. Now understand, the tribulation's still going. And He wipes the tears from their eyes. And yet, we read on here in our text. And God, verse 4, shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, why are there tears when he wiped them before? Now there's a judgment seat of Christ. Now rewards have been given. And Christians are entering into eternity. They're already there. But there's a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, take from him that one, give him to the ten. But Lord, he has ten cities already. Well, take it from him and had the one because he buried his talent when he could have used it for the Lord. Instead, he kept things for himself. So he suffers loss of reward. You don't think there'll be tears? And yet, there's the healing waters. Flowing out from the throne of God. Remember that throne this morning? Of God and the Lamb. The Father in Christ. And yet water. Pure water. Why? Because the water represents the uncorrupted Word of God. This is literal water. But you see in the Scriptures in symbolism. The Scriptures itself says the water of the Word. And those trees are producing because the Spirit of God works through the water of the Word. And those trees, through their roots, through it all, produce fruit. That fruit for the healing. And those tears are dried away from their eyes. Some will be ruling and reigning on earth. I don't know the, exactly what to think of it, and I haven't arrived at this, so I'm just going to share this with you for just a moment. And I'm not teaching this as sound doctrine, okay? So put that to the side. But in the 102nd Psalm, it says something about, and, and I didn't come up with this. I was listening to a, another man come up with this, and he was telling me about it, and he gave me the reason. 
he said, and the people that shall be created. Talking about eternity. And he said he believed that because of the Hebrew wording. It seems like it's a new creation. Is that it? And that's where you rule and reign over? I don't know. And I'm not going to say that as a definite. But there will be people in heaven ruling and reigning here on the new earth. And yet, those in heaven who suffer loss, that could have been ruling and reigning there and bringing that glory into heaven, they'll be busy about the throne of God, serving Him. And there'll be no more crying. Because that water's for the healing. Yes, there'll be a shame. And there'll be suffering loss. But there's the waters of healing. Now, I haven't gotten as far as I want to go. But don't worry, we're going to go there next Sunday morning. But I want you to think about these things. It's for us. It is for us. There is a judgment seat of Christ. Is the will of God important to us? Seek it with your heart. It's not, well, this is what I feel like doing. Oh, meditate in His Word. When I say meditate in His Word, I mean meditate in His Word. Some of these religious groups came out some time ago and said, you need to learn to meditate. Into your mind of everything. And just sit there. Um, um, <laughs> sit there. That's, by the way, that comes out of Eastern false religions. And let God fill it. God's going to fill your mind by His Spirit through His Word. That's how He works. And that's how you get the leading of the Lord. I can say this, that going away to Christian college was after seeking the Word. And I believe that the Lord gave me some things from His Word to show me, yes, go. When I went to Arizona, God from His Word showed me why I should go out there. When I left there and come here, now I, I fought God for about three months. I didn't want to come, to be honest with you. I mean, most of those people, I went out there to start from scratch a new church. We had about 30, 35 people saved. New Christians. And I just pretty well wrestled with God. I'd go for days walking in the desert there in Arizona. Carry a Bible with me and just go in there and pray. Look at the scriptures and say, Lord, I don't understand this. These are new Christians. But finally, after a long battle with that, God just showed me 
I want you to go. I still didn't understand it. There was a church there in that town. I preached for that pastor many times. I, I mean, that, not many times I preached at some of their events they had. Not in the church, but I visited their church. And boy, lovely church. Nice building. Great location. I'm meeting with a group in a rented auditorium of a local elementary school. The pastor and I became good friends. But that day came when I realized God wants me to go back. And just like I had to trust him for salvation, I had to trust him for the following of his will, I had to trust those people with him. Just to give you an update on those people, with the exception of two, all those people moved from Arizona within a year after I left there. Within two years, I believe it was, at least. God knew that. I didn't. But he knew what would happen. But I remember calling my dad. I said, okay, dad. I know I'm supposed to come, and I'll come. Hung up the phone. As soon as I hung up the phone, it's just like somebody took 500 pounds off my shoulders. I mean, I, I don't know how to describe it, but saying it that way, it just felt like a huge, heavy thing was lifted off me. I don't go by feelings, but that day, I knew that there was a change. It was the next day, less than 24 hours. That church I'd always loved to have had myself. And that good friend of mine, that pastor, said, uh, Brother Andy, God's called me to pastor, I think it was up in Utah, and the people of our church want you to come and be their pastor. And I said, man, if you would have called me 24 hours earlier, I would have probably accepted it. I says, but I've already said yes. And that was it. First Wednesday I was here. I was saying, Lord, are you sure what we're, are you sure about this? Did I misunderstand you? I mean, I felt that way. I was, I was pretty well just about in tears. Because come, we had Awanas then instead of a Master Clubs. Some of the leaders weren't even members here. I'd see ladies in very tight jeans and immodest blouses and all that. And I said, what's going on? And he talked to the Lord about it. Some of our music had gone another direction already. So I, I, I talked to the Lord about it. Why do you think I brought you here? I didn't bring you here to quit. I brought you here to finish a job. You know, if God calls you, you do it, and you continue to do it, you continue to do it, until God tells you to quit. Now, I'm saying all that because you've got to seek the Lord. I'm not, not praising me. You'll notice I left out all of my failures tonight. If you think this is taking a long time, if I took the failures, we'd be here for 24 hours 
for about a, a month. Okay, so I'm not going to go through the failures. What I'm saying to you is this. To follow the will of God, I had to seek His face. And through the scriptures and prayer, He confirmed His will. A lot of people say, I, I feel God wants me to do this. But when you spend time in prayer and the scriptures, you can know God wants you to do it. Then do it. Always choose the Lord over the world. Satan will show you something that is prosperous at the time. But the end of that is not good. Read Psalm 73 and you'll see what I'm talking about. You make a decision for the Lord, and I'll guarantee you, the Lord will let Satan try that decision to see if you're going to stand by it. You stand. You stand. There are rewards here that I was going to talk about tonight, but since uh, our time's about gone, I'm not going to do that now. But what I want you to see is this. God, God has a will for you because Ephesians 2.10, <laughs> isn't it interesting we read Ephesians 2.8.9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Those are great verses, but don't stop. God didn't stop at getting us saved. For the next verse says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. unto good works, which God hath before, even before the foundation of the world, before your salvation, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. But we should. He gave us the free will to do it or not do it. But I also want you to understand, you don't do it. You don't seek Him. You'll also count the loss of reward when he already had a will designed that would have left you with great reward. Now I know some of these things go a little bit more in depth than what we normally do. But your relationship with Jesus Christ ought to have depth. It ought to be real. Very real. Let's bow our heads.